the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, it's less of our nostalgic past and more of Joseph Garcia's nostalgic past. That's right, Joseph is a good friend of the podcast. He is also a patron, and he is at the $5 level, which means he gets to pick an entire episode once a year for us to do. And he has decided... We are going to talk Dick Tracy, the 1990 film uh, from Warren Beatty. We are going to discuss the TV show Garfield and Friends. And then we are going to do a casting of Dick Tracy. So now this is actually something you've been wanting to get to for a while, though, as well. Like Dick Tracy is firmly in, I would say, ours, but mainly your nostalgia as well. Yeah, definitely a movie I remembered... And remembered liking, I think I liked the funny looking characters and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And I kind of like that whole like noir detective type thing. I'm a big fan of uh, the DC character, The Question. Which Which he basically shows up in this movie. (laughs) I know it's not him, but (laughs) kind of. So uh, I was excited that uh, Joseph picked this one. Yep. Yep. Me too. I specifically remember having... The toys. We had some Dick Tracy toys for sure. We definitely had a few. I don't know that we had a lot, but we definitely, yeah. I remember there's one character who can never remember his name, but I'm pretty sure we had a really wrinkly face Yeah, and we had his toy. I'm pretty sure we had Dick Tracy as we well. We did. We had okay. a Dick Tracy. Yep. Yeah. And those are, those are really the two I remember. He had like a, the, the other wrinkly face had like a, uh, like a caddy's hat cap or whatever the hell those things are called and like a green sweater or something like that. That's what okay. I remember, but really old wrinkly face. Yeah, I think it was the guy that was beating up on the kid. I think, if I remember from the movie, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that stuff. We'll figure that out when we get to the movie. Yeah, but uh, actually, right now, since Joseph isn't joining us for the episode, I wanted him to let everybody know why he chose Dick Tracy and Garfield and Friends. Hey, this is your patron Joseph. I requested a Dick Tracy Garfield and Friends episode because both comic strips were a big part of my childhood, both in the newspaper and from the collections I would check out at the school library. I first saw Dick Tracy when I was about five or six years old, and although I wasn't too cognizant of the plot, I remember being drawn to these bold colors and crazy looking villains. I had Dick Tracy twin-sized sheets on my bed from about ages 7 to 11 that were real pop arty, and I've always just liked the style of the film. I read the reprints of the Dick Tracy strip in the newspaper, though my preference was for the comedic strips. The funniest comic strip was Calvin and Hobbes, but since they tragically never had a cartoon, we'll have to go with Garfield, which I used to read every day. Although I never really tuned in too much to CBS cartoons on Saturdays, Garfield and Friends would always come on during this weird hour when there were no other good cartoons playing, and I remember watching it from time to time and enjoying it. So hopefully you remember these things too from your childhood, and uh, thank you guys so much for the work you put into your show. All of you listeners out there who aren't patrons of The Blast From Our Past, I highly recommend signing up. Thanks, guys. Okay, so he is definitely a fan of some comic strips. So we've Yeah, we've got our whole comic strip episode uh, for everybody. So, 1990, John, could you please set our minds back to that wonderful year? All right, well, the movie came out on June 15th, 1990. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week is from a band that we have talked about with our sister, it was Step by Step by New Kids on the Block. Step by step, ooh, baby, step 
Oh, nice. Nice. It's good when you get like those stupidly nostalgic <laughs> songs in here. You know, and it's not just like, okay, here's the one I kind of remember. Like that one is a hardcore, cheesy 90s song. Yep. Uh, Seinfeld was topping the ratings for that week. I've heard of that show. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called The Burden of Proof by Scott Turow. Not one I'm familiar with. Okay. I feel like I've maybe maybe they made it into a movie or something. Okay. It sounds familiar. The Burden of Proof definitely sounds like a movie title that mm-hmm. has happened. Uh, in uh, some video game stuff uh, re- released this week, and I cannot remember if this was a PC game or a console game. I think it was a PC game. Uh, Ultima. Ultima 6, The False Prophet. Ultima is a game I have heard of and have never played. Yeah, same same for me. Um, and my fun fact for 1990, a 200-person, 0.02 square mile trailer park in Texas incorporated and became a, became a city just to open a liquor store. <laughs> okay. Uh, and until 2007... This city, which is called Mobile City, uh, was the only place in Rockwall County you could buy any kind of alcohol outside of a restaurant. All right, well. So it lasted for a while. You got to get your your jolly somehow. And that was 1990. All right, now that we have been set back, uh, I'm pretty excited to talk uh, some Dick Tracy. Oh yeah, the Macho Man is here to tell you that the Beef Up Network has partnered with 80stees.com to give you the best deal on the sweetest shirts on the internet. I'm here to tell you right now, if you go to 80stees.com and use the promo code BEEFOP, that's B-F-O-P, then you can get 30% off your entire order. Oh yeah, that's the cream of the crop, baby. Nobody does it better yet. All right, Dick Tracy from 1990. This film was directed, produced, and starred Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty also directed Heaven Can Wait. He directed Reds, which he won Best Director Oscar for that mm. year. And he also directed uh, Bullworth. Uh, he was in all those movies as well. Bullworth, I kind of remember. I remember thinking it was strange when I was younger, but then I saw it again when I was significantly older, and I was like, I like this. This is this is interesting. I remember the trailers. I've still never seen it. All right. I think it's worth a watch. So Dick Tracy is based on the 1930s comic strip character of the same name by Chester Gould. Uh, he's, yeah, exactly as John kind of mentioned, a noir detective uh, who battles these fantastical, uh, you know, gangster mm-hmm. villains, that kind of thing. This movie itself won three different Oscars. It won Best Set Direction which I can totally see because they did a good job of transferring that comic strip idea yeah. into into film. And then it also won Best Makeup, which I can absolutely understand as well yeah. <laughs> for the uh, fantastical villains. And then it won Best Original Song as well, um, which I mm, less agree with because I didn't <laughs> honestly think some of the music in this movie was all that great, particularly Madonna's stuff. I was pretty disappointed in. Okay. Do you know who actually wrote the songs? Uh, wasn't it? Well, the guy who did the music was Danny Elfman. Yes, he was the he did the score. He did the score, but wasn't it Sondheim? Stephen Sondheim, who we just lost a couple days ago. Oh wow, I didn't realize. Yeah, it was just not that close. Wow. Not, he, uh, he was ninety-one. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, ninety-one. That's if I make it to that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, good. Successful life. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, Danny Elfman did the uh, the music for this one. Actually, the, the, the composed music I liked, mainly because it felt almost completely <laughs> ripped off from Batman. It was. It sounded so <laughs> Batman. Is exactly the Batman score just transferred to uh, to Dick Tracy instead. <laughs> Tim Burton, obviously, he did that stuff. He did the Simpsons theme song, Men in Black franchise. He did a bajillion things. You mean Danny Elfman. So, what'd I say? Tim Burton. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did some of those things, too, yes. Yeah. So, But no, Danny Elfman has done a bunch of stuff that's even not Tim Burton films. Right. The Dick Tracy movie was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. They wrote some good stuff, like Top Gun. Oh. They, they wrote some... Pretty good stuff, like Turner and Hooch. And then they wrote some eh, mediocre stuff, like Anaconda. <laughs> and then they wrote some crap, like Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. So they, <laughs> they've kind of peaked early on with Top Gun, and then Dick Tracy, and Turner and Hooch, and then Anaconda, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so good with the Flintstones sequel. So, uh, the cast for this film, uh, Dick Tracy, as I already mentioned, is played by Warren Beatty. The Kid is played by... Charlie Corsmo, who I 100% recognized as Jack in the movie Hook. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And he was also in Can't Hardly Wait and a couple other things. And I only mean a couple other things because I saw he had eight acting credits on his entire IMDb. That, so. that blows my mind because I remember him so distinctly from our childhood just popping in on movies like this and Hook and, you know, all those, those yeah. other things. And he wasn't bad. He was, I thought, a solid kid actor. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Tess Trueheart is played by uh, Glenn Headley. Glean Headley. I don't know however it's pronounced. Probably Glenn. Glenna. Glenna. That would totally make sense. Glenna Headley. She was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but I absolutely remember her best um, as uh, Iris Holland, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's wife in Mr. Holland's Opus. Okay. She was that one. Uh, Breathless Mahoney is played by Madonna. And she, we've talked to her in A League of Their Own. You know, she's mm-hmm. Avita, plenty of stuff for her. Uh, big pop star. Flat Top is played by William Forsyth. He was in Raising Arizona, The Rock, Deuce Bigelow. Plenty of stuff. William Forsyth kind of keeps popping up as a really good character actor. This, I gotta say, I'm gonna kind of answer here. This movie was like a who's who of character actors from the time. Dude, the ca- I'm, and and we're gonna go through some of these people who pop up in the movie. But every time I saw a face, I was like, "Holy shit!" They have that person in this cast too. Like it is an unbelievable cast. Yeah. Uh, Mumbles is played by Dustin Hoffman and acting great. The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy, Rain Man. Good to see him in here. And then our main villain, Big Boy, is played by Al Pacino. Another huge name of acting, you know, between The Godfather 1, 2, and 3, Serpico, Son of a Woman, hoo-ah, uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> hoo-ah. So, uh, the budget for this film was $46 million, and it earned $163 million, almost. Oh. So, that is that is very solid. For 1990 to hit, like, that well over $100 million, that is a really good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get our breakdown started. Uh, we hear some radio news. Um, I mentioned immediately the music. Like This is Batman music <laughs> that I was hearing. <laughs> uh, 
great use of set miniatures and kind of painted backgrounds. That opening shot, they kind of uh, they kind of take you on a journey. The camera is kind of mm-hmm. moving along this set, and I really liked it. Very stylized film, and I think that's definitely something. Obviously, with the 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 makeup and the different characters, but as you mentioned as well, the the set decoration and just the overall look and feel of this film was so stylized. It is. It's got to be one of the better interpretations of comic to film, especially early on. Yeah, I would say, especially for this time, it really kind of reminded me. That I, first of all, I, I actually read that this was one of the last movies around the time to actually use matte backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And not but you could tell, but it looked good though. Still, even today, I thought it still looked solid because of it was well, so stylized. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm looking at this and I'm watching this and I'm like, this kind of reminds me of a little bit of. Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm. in the stylings, and a little bit of Sin City, which obviously came much later. But yeah. you, you know, you're definitely you feel the noir. Like you can tell it's a matte painting, but it does nothing to take you out of the world because this feels like it is a comic strip come off the page. Yep, yeah, very well put. We see this kid who stumbles across across a uh, crime boss poker game. Somebody busts in and lights them all up. It is flat top. <laughs> Uh, he shoots everybody and heads shoots towards the kid who ends up, you know, getting away and gets out. Dick Tracy gets a call to the scene. He uh, sees Eat Lead Tracy. That was <laughs> shot onto the wall by Flat Top. I kind of like that. I remember that from the trailer. I remember yeah. that being a thing where they, they showed that part in the trailer. And we have kind of find out that this guy, Big Boy Caprice, is going to be our main crime guy that uh, Tracy just can't. Nail him down. You know, he's he's his white whale. He's his main villain that he just can't get behind bars. So uh, we get a song from Breathless Mahoney at a club. Sooner or later you're gonna decide. Sooner or later there's nowhere to hide. Baby, it's time so well wasted in chapter. And I mentioned before, I didn't particularly like this song, and and most of the Breathless Mahoney songs I didn't really care for. Yeah, I mean so. they they weren't horrible, but there wasn't I wasn't humming any of them when I when they were over. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like you know like like the Jessica Rabbity stuff. I liked her stuff better. Right. Like you know. I think there were other characters who had done this kind of, you know, voluptuous, voluptuous club lady better. And and Madonna is a perfect casting for that at this time. Yes, I agree. I don't know if I could think of anyone honestly better for the role, but I just don't think she gave it her all on the songs. Um, her acting was fine, though. Yeah, I thought she was fine. We meet Lips, who is this other crime guy at the club. He owns the club. Uh, cops come in and get him. But it's not the real cops. It's Flat Top and his men. And they take lips and breathless. We then uh, see Dick Tracy kind of walking on the street, runs into the kid who we saw earlier. He has to go after him because he stole the watch. But he ends up kind of escaping. The kid goes to sell the watch uh, that he had stole. But Tracy comes in and beats up the guy who was basically taking advantage of the kid and, and not going to you know, pay him mm-hmm. for the whatnot. And who's going to beat up the kid, which I, which I mentioned before. I think that guy who Dick Tracy beats up right here is one of the toys we had. Okay. I think it's either him or prune face. And I can't remember. I just, I think it's prune face to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Maybe both. I don't, you know, who knows? You know what? I think I have those toys. Really? I'm going to pull them out. Yes. 
So mom gave me all of our old toys. There we go, and I have them in this bag. So I got all my some alien yeah. stuff. Uh huh. This this stuff's gonna make for good. Uh, <laughs> good. Dick Tracy. There right he here. is. Here's there Dick he is. Tracy. I can't believe you still have that. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I got like Tokar, Razor, um, an old Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely Prune Face. Yeah, it is. That is definitely Prune Face. And I thought we had one more. I thought we had that other guy, but. Maybe not. I don't need to dig through this too much. Yeah. We're definitely going to have to put pictures of those up old, on... Uh, this old Shredder. <laughs> I remember that old... This is like the old Shredder before Shredder was like... Cool. Uh, real good. Hell yeah, we can do that. We're going to have to put some pictures of those up on uh, Instagram. Of the toys. Fucking A. We got two Dick Tracys. Oh, look at that. <laughs> we, got, we got two dicks, John. We got two dicks. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'll look through that and post that up on our Instagram. Um, that's good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. So if uh, I don't know if your your son's probably past the age of playing with action figures. I don't know if he ever really was an action figure kid. A little bit, but not much. Yeah, I mean, he's a Lego kid. Yeah, uh, and he's an iPad kid. <laughs> I guess nowadays yeah, he's that's, a that's he's they're... a video game kid right now. Yeah, fair. So, but looking at these characters just makes me happy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So, Lips is taken to this warehouse where Big Boy Caprice is, who uh, forces him to sign over the club to Big Boy. We also see a cop is killed outside the warehouse. Lips gets covered in cement and dropped down the floor, and basically he's dead and buried. He's gone. What did they call that? Was it take a bath, take a shower? Yeah. Something I, like I, take you a know dip what? I meant, or something? I can't remember. I meant to write it down, and I completely forgot yeah, exactly. Take a dip, maybe. It was t- something like that. Okay. Maybe I'm, I still, for- maybe I'm still thinking of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. No, the thing is, I kind of remember them saying, take a dip, and I was like, wait a minute, like like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> okay. Uh, and so I think that's what they called it. Okay. But I, you know what? Who cares? <laughs> they put him in cement. <laughs> that's the gist. Uh, Tracy brings uh, the kid to a diner with Tr- Tess Trueheart, who is his girlfriend you know Mm -hmm. he's in love with her she's very kind-hearted she's a true-hearted woman if you will right (laughs) says it right in her name and then tracy gets a call to go in and check in the crime scene uh he then kind of sees what's going on finds some walnuts and he knows that big boy loves walnuts apparently and so he calls in flat top and mumbles and some other of big boy's men I, i do appreciate you know mumbles he's named that for a good reason you can't understand Shit, he's saying. Yeah. Get me mumbles. Where's Lips, man? <laughs> and pretty, he's done pretty well. I mean, I know what was it? Benicio del Toro played a character named Mumbles or something. Wasn't that in uh, uh, Usual Suspects? Something like that is. You know, uh, sounds about right. Pretty similar, but you know, I, Dustin Hoffman does, a, I think, a pretty solid job here. Yeah. We uh, see Big Boy pushing uh, Breathless to do a song, and Big Boy's being very creepy with the ladies and very grabby and pushy, and just overall kind of like wants them to make sure they do this dance number correct. It was a strange scene. <laughs> that yeah, honestly, it was it was like it was awkward in a bad way. Yeah, like I, I mean, I could see him like you know maybe just like sitting there watching but like i actively being up that seemed weird to me he seemed 
incredibly um, engaged in the need for them to do this song and dance perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of strange. All but. the uh, all the dancers that were there were actual all Broadway dancers who actually had to be taught how to sing badly for that scene. Oh, okay. Because they weren't quite like <laughs> together. And they, they were used to, you know, being able to sing very, very well. And they actually had to mm-hmm. kind of be taught how to sing bad for that song. Oh, that's funny. Very funny. So uh, then we get Kathy fucking Bates yeah. as a secretary <laughs> in the police station. Uh, I'm like, holy shit. Oscar win. Well, she hasn't. She won the Oscar next year. Yeah. In the following year for Misery. But like Kathy Bates, what an amazing actress. <laughs> and then well, so we, we didn't mention we saw uh, this James Tolkien earlier. You know, yeah. kind of make up up a little bit. James Tolkien, we've talked about from Back to the Future, Top Gun. He's an awesome character actor. Yeah, he does show up a little he, bit later in the movie too. But I, as yep. soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my god, it's that guy. <laughs> it's that guy exactly. Uh, so just, just what a hell of a cast. And then there's more awesome uh, cast to keep coming. So uh, Tracer Tracy kind of gets a testimony from Mumbles, kind of. He for some reason seems to understand Mumbles when no one else can. <laughs> Uh, Tracy then brings Big Boy in over the disappearance of Lips. Uh, then goes to t- Tracy's trying to talk to Breathless to kind of coax her to to do a, t- a testimony. She comes out in a see-through little number. Looks pretty good in that. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. I had to double check the uh, uh, rating <laughs> of this movie, and it was PG. And yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> but you definitely see some stuff through the dress, through the uh, kind of nighty that she's wearing or whatever, and it's like, okay. Just a lot of sexual tension going on from Breathless to Dick Tracy in particular. Apparently, there was a... It's not this scene, but there was a scene where she was acting with uh, Al Pacino, and she has like a trench coat on, mm-hmm. and in rehearsals, she would wear nothing under the trench coat and just repeatedly flash Al Pacino. <laughs> I am sure Al Pacino loved that. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Yeah, Madonna was a interesting lady who... She enjoyed her nudity. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, she was very open about all that stuff, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got no problem with that, so. Tracy gets home, uh, but Tess has to head out, and we see the kid is passed out on his bed. Uh, then at the, you know, just trying to emphasize, like, okay, Dick Tracy and, you know, Tess are obviously a, a thing, and but they aren't fully a thing, and then uh, this kid is kind of, like, coming in and just, you know, he's... Dick Tracy, who is kind of that guy you could never really tie down. He, he's married to his work. Right. Um, but you're seeing that there is this uh, family life that he, you know, kind of wants as well. Yeah. Speaking of that, did you always assume his name was Dick or Richard Tracy? Or did you think he was named Tracy and he was a dick? He was a private eye. Or, you know, he was kind of like a detective. No, I assumed his name was Dick Tracy. Okay. I kind of did too, but it did, they're play, they play on that. Yeah. So I like it. I'm so. sure that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. The, uh, at the police station, uh, Big Boy does get out because there were no fingerprints on the walnuts, uh, and so he couldn't place him there for uh, Lips's disappearance or murder. Um, we get the DA, played by another awesome actor, Dick Van Dyke, yeah. plays the DA. I was kind of, you know, I see his or hear his voice. I'm just like, oh, holy shit. Okay. Um, but uh, the, the DA kind of thinks Dick Tracy is a bit of a maverick. He doesn't like that. We see Tracy being kind of spied on by big boys guys who notice that he has a kid with him. So, uh, you know, that's just all stuff that's going to kind of lead up. And the kid uh, likes to eat. We get a little kind of (laughs) some shots of him, montage of him eating a shit ton. The young man will be out in a moment. All right. When do we eat? Live alone and like it. Free as the birds in the trees. 
Louis. High above the briars, live alone and like it. I do whatever I please. When my heart desires, free to hang around or fly at any old time. The bad guys end up shooting at Tracy outside Tess's door, so kind of giving a, a, a warning, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then one of the cops who shows up after that, I noticed, was Colomini, yeah. uh, who is from Con Air, but a lot of people probably recognize him best from Deep Space Nine. Or that guy... The Next Generation. That's really where he started. Oh, TN- yeah, sorry, TNG. Yeah, he started there, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, he, he, he did have a good long stint on... Uh, on uh, DS9 as well, but yeah, but he—I mean—he was a long time, yeah, Star Trek guy. But he's—he's he's been in tons of stuff. Oh yeah, like people, you see him all over, like somewhere in the background. I was just like, holy shit! Again, more awesome cast. Anytime you need a, an Irish actor, an old <laughs> Irish actor or older he's Irish per- actor, yeah, perfect. He's perfect. I for think it, I remember so. him being in Far and Away as well. Oh, I, you know what? I could totally imagine that. I liked that movie. That was that uh, Tom Cruise, Natalie. Kitt. Do you like my hat? <laughs> what was that, John? It was one of it was one of Tom Cruise's lines. Do you like my hat? Tell me you like my oh, hat. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because they kept spending the money on all the hats. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. The next day, uh, Breathless goes into Tracy's office, and she flirts hard with him, uh, gets him to kind of follow her, get, takes her to the club, takes him to the club, and sees that all these bad guys are there together. They're basically forming a co-op of villains, uh, you know, of these gangsters together, which Big Boy is trying to lead that group. And here are a couple more awesome fucking actors. One of the other big bad crime bosses is played by James Caan. <laughs> Another awesome fucking actor. And then I don't think she had a speaking role, but I saw her and noticed her name on the credits. Catherine O'Hara is also yeah. in that group. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Warren Beatty pulled out all the stops for this. Yeah, no kidding. He called in everybody he knew. So uh, Spaldoni, who was played by Khan, doesn't agree to teaming up, and so he's like, "Fuck this! I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of this." Which Big Boy needs everyone. You know, he needs for it to work. He needs everybody, and so Spaldini leaves. But as he gets into his car, it's uh, blown the fuck up by flat top. <laughs> so, yep, you do not want to go against Big Boy, obviously. So this is how they're gonna do do things his way. So Tracy, kind of who watched this, gets away. But then we see who at first I thought was the question, but it's this person with no face and kind of like a hat and trench coat yep. who notices it, notices him there. And I immediately started looking. One, there was no credit for that person. We'll find out why later. Yep. But also, the, yeah, there was no name. They just called him no face mm-hmm. pretty much during the film. But there is an actual character called The Blank in the Dick Tracy uh, universe who basically looks exactly like that. It's not the same as how the blank is utilized here right. in the movie. He's basically like a, a killer um, okay. in, uh, in the Dick Tracy universe. So at Tracy's place, uh, someone tries to fake being on welfare um, while he's talking <laughs> through a door uh, to get the kid to, to say, hey, we need to take the kid off to welfare, which Tracy didn't want to do, but he knew that was what he's supposed to be doing. Who is it? Mr. Tracy. Who is it? I'm Mrs. Skiff. I'm from the welfare department. The welfare department? I'm afraid we're going to have to take the little boy to the orphanage. Well, just give me one minute, Mrs. Skiff. I hope you understand, Mr. Tracy. As a single man, you can't just pick up a child from the streets and take him home. Mrs. Skiff, let's discuss this. It's the law. Then he has to be processed through the proper channels. 
Uh, Mr. Scaff, if you'll just leave this situation to me, I think you'll... We don't want no kid copper. Yeah, we don't want no kid copper. And it's Flat Top and one of his guys. I can't even remember who that other dude was. Yeah. But they're faking it. And so uh, so they capture Dick Tracy. But the kid, the second he heard the words welfare or to her, you know, heard going back to the orphanage, he uh, he ran out the window. And he notices Dick Tracy getting taken away by Flat Top and this other guy. And so he jumps on the back of the car to go with them. Big Boy tries to originally bribe Tracy, which, of course, doesn't work. He's too honorable for that shit. (laughs) So they set up something to try and just kill Tracy to make it look like an accident. Have him tied up near this furnace or whatever heater thing that's going to explode. And I'm just like every other fucking bad guy ever. Just shoot him in the head when you got him. (laughs) I'm just I'm trying to like telepathically go back to 1990 and talk to big boy caprice and just be like just shoot dick tracy in the head then put him in cement and put him down a river like (laughs) this is not gonna be hard like why do you have to do this elaborate thing where you you're casually not there for the moment when he dies and you're just gonna assume it works great (laughs) i can't stand that but that's that's how it goes and he did tell them you know make it look making sure it looks like an accident boys although when they find the body tied to a chair i don't know how they're gonna (laughs) think that that was an accident I thought the same thing. That was ridiculous. But, uh, of course, the kid comes in and saves Dick Tracy. And he gets to be an honorary detective, basically. And they say, oh, just sign your name and you'll be an honorary detective. And his name is just the kid. He doesn't have his own name yet. So, okay. Uh, Big Boy threatens uh, the DA, who we also find out is in his pocket. Breathless. Which, actually, I mean, the DA has no jurisdiction over detectives or the police i mean the da is basically just the person who does the prosecuting right in the area right so but whatever um breathless comes over to uh, tracy's place she doesn't want to speak out against big boy because she's afraid that he will kill her uh they get some more flirting more heavy flirting and then they kiss uh kind of kind of got i thought it was strange a bit that dick tracy let her kiss him yeah it just kind of didn't feel like it was like right in his character, but I also get it because Breathless is overtly sexual, and you know mm-hmm. he's just kind of I guess he's wrapped up in that from her. So and those two were dating at the time. You know what? I'm not. I, I saw that they had been in a couple movies together, like around that time, and mm-hmm. so um, I think that yeah, okay, that kind of kind of makes sense. Not terribly surprised. Tess though, who were just coming back with uh, the kid, open or kind of walks through and sees them kissing. Uh, but jumps out uh, at first, so they don't notice that she saw them kiss. So, oh shit, okay. We see the faceless person meets with 88 Keys, um, who had we'd seen before on the piano, but I didn't really see his face really well mm-hmm. until this scene, and then I'm like, holy fuck, that's Mandy Patinkin. Yep. <laughs> Another <laughs> amazing actor, uh, which everybody would know out there as Inigo Montoya, but he is a phenomenal actor, and I just was... And a good, blown away. Good singer too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I heard he was a good singer, so I imagine that was his own voice uh, in the in this film. Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. So this faceless person gives eighty eight uh, eighty eight keys eighty eight uh, a letter to Big Boy, which is basically an offer to kill Dick Tracy. Which Big Boy's like, no, fuck this. I don't want to. I don't need to do this. <laughs> he wants to be the one who does it. Also because he says. All the heat's going to come on him if Tracy dies, so he needs to make sure it's taken care of so he 
doesn't uh, look like he is uh, the person who does it, strangely. <laughs> so, uh, so Tracy uh, goes to the club that night. Uh, they're kind of raiding the club, but they find nothing. They, you know, big boy kind of flips some switches and things turn around. And so there is no gambling shown. But honestly, it was all a ploy so they could hide a microphone, which uh, they place in above these lights area. And it's nice little montage of Dick Tracy foiling all these gambling locations from Big Boy because he doesn't realize that they have a microphone up there. And we get a breath, a song from Breathless as it's all happening. Sooner or later you're gonna be fine Baby, it's time that you faced it I always get my man On the line, get over to 1.32 um, and I saw in this montage, I noticed a couple radio hosts. The first one that I actually absolutely recognized was John Mashita Jr. Uh, in this montage. And he'll kind of come back up. We'll see him again in another kind of one of these montages things later. But John Mashita Jr. is the Micro Machine Man. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of funny. They didn't have him really speak at all. And I would have loved to, I, I wonder if just they cut his stuff, but like, why would you have him in a film and only kind of use him as, you know, in montage as if he was talking, but not actually use his fast voice? Uh, that didn't make sense. And then I did notice that one of the other radio hosts was uh, a guy named Neil Ross, who has done multiple voices in Garfield and Friends. So it's a little bit of a tie into that show. There we go. So that's cool. All right. Uh, Big Boy obviously figures out eventually that he's been bugged, uh, and so he does a setup in a south side warehouse to try and get Dick Tracy. All right, at the diner, or at a diner, Tess trails Tracy that she's leaving. We know it's because she saw him kiss Breathless, uh, but he gets this call, and so he has to head out, and it's a trap. Uh, but, of course, Tracy does eventually get out of it, and with the help from the no-face guy uh, who kind of shoots around and so... They are able to get of it, get out of it. Big Boy then agrees to the deal that was given from uh, the letter from 88 Keys that we know is from the faceless person. So right now we're really kind of confused. What is the allegiance of this no face? Mm -hmm. Because their letter says they'll kill Tracy, but then they saw we just saw Tracy get helped out of this situation by the no face. So it's kind of we're kind of not really sure what their angle is at this moment. In general, though, things are kind of down for Dick Tracy right now. You know, he can't get Big Boy behind bars. Tess is gone. Um, he also finds out that the kid is basically, he's he's got to go back to the orphanage. So his life is just kind of shitty as of this moment. So he meets up with Breathless, and he's trying to get her to testify. But she doesn't want to testify, John. She just wants him. She <laughs> she wants him hard. But, uh, but he's still in love with Tess. So not going to happen. Uh, so no face sets up, uh, some traps for both Tess and Tracy, basically having going to this person who can mimic anyone's handwriting, gets Tess to go to this greenhouse, kidnaps her, and then gets Tracy to go to the greenhouse, uh, which has knockout gas putting him out. And again, I'm like, oh, you'll have him knocked out, shoot him in the fucking head right now. But <laughs> that's just not how villains think. Uh, we also see that the kid does get sent back to the orphanage and he's not happy about that. So then wearing Dick Tracy's hat and coat, no face, because he took him from, you know, Dick Tracy, who was passed out. 
He uh, kills the DA, making it look like Tracy did it. Fine. Just just to get him behind bars. And I'm, again, just like, just kill him. If you really want him out of your hair, just fucking kill Dick Tracy. <laughs> like, why kill the DA? But whatever. Whatever. Doesn't fucking matter. The DA, who we know who can be in people's pockets and easily manipulated. Uh, no. Fine. Fuck it. So uh, we see, uh, so, you know, again, the radio hosts and kind of the newspapers, all the news in general is going wild that Dick Tracy is now discredited and he has been arrested. Uh, and we get a montage as crime and gambling go wild. Yesterday it seemed the world was about to end. Dignity, as though it would last half a year. Yesterday disaster waited around the bend. Well, my friend, spring is here. Back in business and ain't it grand. Yeah, good times. Tracy gets a visit from the kid who has decided he is going to name himself something. And he names himself Dick Tracy Jr. Aw. Kind of cute. I have no idea if there is an actual Dick Tracy Jr. in the comics. I don't know. Uh, It didn't really matter to me. But I get it. It's just showing, you know, yeah, he's he's getting a family. Yeah. This Dick Tracy guy. So Uh, Tracy gets transferred from city to county jail. But his friends at the police office decide to, uh, you know, hey, you will take some time before you get there. So basically they let him be a cop again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nothing really resolved, but okay. They just kind of would just move back into Dick Tracy mode. So No Face uh, calls the chief, trying to set up Big Boy for capturing Tess. So, he's, so No Face is trying to fuck everybody. Yeah. He's trying to frame uh, Dick Tracy for the murder of the DA, and then also frame Big Boy for kidnapping Tess. So obviously, in the assumption to get everybody out of his way and whoever this No Face is person to take over all crime in the area. Tracy gets Mumbles, and we find out that Mumbles had been bugged. Mumbles with a tape that was kind of slowed down, kind of adjusted, whatever, that it says that he admits it was Big Boy who killed Lips. (laughs) What do you think, Mumbles? Mumbles then also tells them that it was 88 Keys who set up this whole thing that was, you know, fucking over Tracy mm-hmm. uh, and Big Boy right now. So Flattop and Big Boy realize they were being set up for the kidnapping um, when they see her, you know, in in uh, their in their club. And so Tess, when they see Tess, you know, tied up and whatnot. So there's a shootout with Dick Tracy, um, but Big Boy gets out escaping the police, you know, who have now surrounded the building. Uh, he's trying to escape. So massive shootout in the front of the building. Gangsters get lit up. They're trying to drive their cars out and yeah. they're just getting fucking fired on. Like, like this is actually a pretty brutal scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gangsters just coming out now. Granted, there's no squibs or anything like that. But like, we're just seeing the police lay waste to flat top and these other guys. And like, they're they're acting like they're getting shot and dying. Right. And it's just like, I again, this is this is PG. OK, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, while while all that madness is going on, Big Boy uh, managed to actually kidnap Tess um, and escape. Again, I don't I don't really know. He's taking her hostage, I guess, right now because mm-hmm. I guess he's he assumes she's going to be a bargaining chip for him. I'm trying to get into like, why did you take her? Right. If you wanted to prove that you did not kidnap her, why are you kidnapping her to prove 
that you didn't kidnap her, just let her go and then run and you can get the fuck out of there. Um, but I, my only assumption is maybe he assumes that she's going to be a bargaining chip if and when Dick Tracy catches up to them. Uh, so he escapes with her in this underground area. But of course, Tracy does chase after them and he gets to this, you know, um, drawbridge uh, or whatever. And he ties her big boy, ties her to one of the gears to crush her. Elaborate, slow moving. Yeah, very slow moving, but ties her to that thing to prove that he wasn't going to kidnap her and crush her head. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure the motivation here, but all right. Uh, Tracy and Big Boy have a fight, and then No Face comes uh, in with a gun, and you know he wants Tracy to pick up the pipe and kill Big Boy, uh, but. Of course, that's not going to happen. The kid comes in and trips No Face. Big Boy grabs a gun, shoots No Face. Then Tracy uh, punches Big Boy over a guardrail. We don't really see Big Boy die. It's kind of like, you know, almost Palpatine-esque. Right. <laughs> you know, where he just kind of falls down this this big thing. And so we assume he's dead. Uh, then No Face is revealed to be breathless. And I didn't really like that. <laughs> particularly the timing didn't make sense because there were some spots where I was like, okay, I saw no face right here. And then I am seeing breathless singing literally in too quick of a time for me to make this. I, I know they're doing that to make the audience assume they're definitely not the same person, mm-hmm. but it just felt kind of strange. I mean, I, I didn't dislike that plot twist. It just, I don't, I don't know. It didn't, um, I didn't think it was wonderful. What about you? I didn't mind it. Honestly, now knowing that in the comic strip, Breathless is just kind of like an assassin or something like that. I th- or no, the No Face. The no blank face. is basically just yeah. an assassin. Um, I, I think I'd like that character more yeah. than the, the Switch. I, I was okay with it. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. But yeah, it's fine. Actually, you know what it kind of reminded me? I, I was just thinking of like how they uh, distorted Madonna's voice or whatever. <laughs> kind of reminded me of... When Leah came in, uh, Princess Leah came in as the bounty hunter. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it was the same, it was the exact was, same voice, kept, wasn't it? I kept waiting for her to go, yo doll, yo doll. <laughs> it was the exact same voice. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. This is 88 Keys. I got a deal for you. Meet me at the city car barn in one hour. That's right, one hour. Ah, yes, Kachong. Kawawoki. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. You know, you know. 50,000, no less. Breathless kisses Dick Tracy one last time and dies. (laughs) Tracy walks out, embraces Tess because that is his true love. And in a diner, we see him, Tess, and Dick Tracy Jr. all together. Yay, happy little family. Tracy almost asks to move in with him uh, but then he gets another call for work so he heads out but as he's about to shut the door he turns back tosses her something and it's an engagement ring oh yay he loves her he wants he wants her to be his wife and whatnot and you know then be a happy family but he doesn't know how to ask those questions because he's just so damn hardened as a cop <laughs> you know whatever yeah. Then we get the end of the film and credits roll over one of Breathless's songs. Once upon a time I had plenty of nothing Which was fine with me because I had rhythm, music, love The sun, the stars, and the moon above Had the clear blue sky and the deep blue sea That was 
Moved pretty quick, because I will say I didn't really remember much of the movie. I remembered some of the cool set stuff mm-hmm. and some of the uh, definitely character looks, but I did not remember really much of the movie at all. So for you, uh, how how was it rewatching this one? And did you did some things flood back to you like you thought might be because you were definitely older when you watched this one than I was. No, I definitely remembered a good bit of it. I, kind of, I mean, I remembered the twist. I remember uh, a lot of the characters. I didn't exactly remember the whole plot of the movie. Um, I think I was more, you know, kind of interested in the characters and, and all the other kind of cool stuff of it. To me, it was, a, it was a fine go back. I think it was a little slow at times. I think there was probably some stuff that could have been trimmed off. Like some of the montages I felt were unnecessary. Overall, it was fun to go back. I don't know that I'll ever watch this again. I don't know if I'll ever show this to my kids. I don't really think it's going to be in their wheelhouse. But it was fun to revisit. And I do kind of like those kind of those kind of like noir detective characters. So, yeah, it was good. I, I, kind of, I lean pretty much exactly as you did. I thought the movie was fine. It was decent. The cast was just big name after big name. I really yeah. enjoyed seeing all these people that I remember. And I thought Warren Beatty did a pretty solid job as Dick Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it fit pretty well with the character that I had kind of seen from the comic strips. Honestly, though, I think if, if this movie did anything for me, it got me really excited for our casting. Because <laughs> I do feel this is a property that could be done um, and be done really well, you know, with some more modern, you know, CG stuff and some of these awkwardy kind of or crazy characters mm-hmm. and the kind of look that you could get with more modern filmmaking. And I'm not going to lie. I would love to up the noir even more. Yeah. I'd love to up the rating and uh-huh. get like an R rated movie or like an R rated like HBO or Amazon Prime or some kind of like, you know, right. some kind of mini series like, you know, OK, he's taking down these different characters or whatnot and not it just be a movie i think i could totally see that working really well unfortunately i'm pretty sure this is owned by disney oh well then they're not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) damn it alas my our dream is crushed but maybe john we'll see maybe yeah maybe they're gonna hear this episode and they're gonna hear our casting (laughs) and they're gonna be like you know what we gotta make it yeah we gotta make it for them put it on hulu yeah absolutely put on hulu you know uh because i was just you know kind of thinking you know take these dick tracy characters Put them in a little bit more of a Sin City, not like a ripoff, but like, you know, add a little bit of that style to it. And I think you could have something awesome. So the movie itself was pretty cute, you know, decent enough, but similar with you. I'm not going to watch it again. It's it's nothing special, but I'm excited to see that. I think this this character and this franchise still has potential in today's society. All right, now we are going to talk Garfield and Friends. Uh, This show ran from 1988 to 1994. Seven seasons, 121 episodes. Uh, It was, and those episodes, each episode was split up between three different uh, segments. And so you would get like a cup, two Garfield segments and one U.S. Acres segment. That was the and Friends part, I guess, of (laughs) Garfield, but... Yeah, so it ran on CBS Saturday mornings, um, and it was also based on a comic strip. This one is done by Jim Davis, 
and uh, it started back in 1976. And apparently, as of 2013, the comic strip was syndicated in about uh, 2,600 newspapers and journals, and it held the Guinness World Record for being the world's most widely syndicated comic strip. Back when I was younger, I would read what you know what we call the funnies. I would read all the comic strips and stuff like that. And this was mm. definitely one of my more favorite ones. Did you also hate Mondays? I mean, yeah, but who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved lasagna, so that's I how. I love lasagna. <laughs> so, yeah. As Joseph mentioned, um, he was more of a fan of Calvin and Hobbes, and he would have picked uh, a Calvin and Hobbes show, but unfortunately, that was never done, which is kind of a strange thing. Calvin and Hobbes was really popular, too, mm-hmm. but his next closest was Garfield and Friends. So, the cast... For this show, Garfield was done by Lorenzo Music, uh, who he was in the show Gummy Bears. He was the doorman on the show Rhoda. And for a week, actually talked about him way back when we had Corey on the show, when we talked to real Ghostbusters. He did the voice of Peter Venkman in like the first season Mm -hmm. of that show. But apparently it's funny. Bill Murray had watched Real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, and he complained to like a producer on the show. Why do I sound like Garfield? Because <laughs> it's the same actor. Because it, it was the same guy who voiced it, which is ultimately, I think, what got Lorenzo Music fired, and they replaced him with Dave Coulier for the following seasons on uh, Real Ghostbusters. Yeah, which is very unfortunate. It is, I mean, I don't dislike Coulier, but Lorenzo Music is, is solid. He's yeah. a great, great voice guy. Yeah. And then it became even more ironic because Bill Murray ended up doing the voice of Garfield on the the CGI movies. Yes, which was completely by accident, actually. Yeah. Because he, he, <laughs> he misunderstood uh, who had written the movie. Oh, did he? Yes. he. It was written by a guy named Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. He thought it was one of the Cohen brothers, C-O-E-N, so he agreed to do the movie before he realized it was the wrong Cohen. Well, I'm sure he made some bank. He did a couple of them. Yeah. So, so you know, he regrets nothing. Eh, maybe Garfield. So do you have any regrets? Garfield, maybe. I love that line from Zombieland. That's a great fucking line. All right. Uh, John Arbuckle and Roy the Rooster and multiple other characters voiced by Tom Huge. And John Arbuckle is actually all he ever really did. I saw his credits. Huh. Uh, and so that was, that was really his his main character. Odie and Orson the Pig and some other characters uh, were voiced by Greg Berger, uh, who Greg Berger was uh, K in the Men in Black cartoon. Um, he was Corn-Fed Pig in Duckman. Mm. Uh, he was Mysterio and also Craven in Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s. He was Grimlock in pretty much all the Transformers, and he was the Gromble in All Real Monsters. So really kick-ass voice guy there. Nice. Uh, Wade Duck from the U.S. Acres section was voiced by Howard Morris, who did the voice of the Hamburglar in the McDonald's commercials. Bravo, bravo. He was uh, Mr. Peebles on the McGilla Gorilla show okay. from back in the day. And then... Finally, we have not talked to this guy in forever, but we have the triumphant return of Frank Welker. He voiced uh, Bo the Sheep and I'm sure some other characters in the U.S. Uh, Acres section. But yay, we got us some Frankie Welks again. Finally. Finally. So that made me very happy to see that his voice was on the show. So, uh, And then a slew of other great voice actors, of course. People like uh, Victoria Jackson, 
uh, Tress McNeil, Neil Ross, who I'd mentioned before, uh, Don Messick, a um, bunch of people had been on the show who, who we'd talked about before. I see Pat Buttram was on here. That's right. Pat Buttram. Yeah, that's a great call. We talked to him on the, uh, the, old, the old rescuers, I think. Right. Or was it was it uh, Robin Hood? Both. Maybe both. Yeah, both. He was yeah. In both, I, <laughs> think. I think he was definitely in Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was kind of like that old southerny voice guy. Yeah. So as I mentioned, each, each episode was split up between a couple different segments. This was a show I remembered watching as a kid. Uh, I think I watched it most in syndication, but because it ran from 88 to 94, I, there was definitely a chance that I watched some of this as they came out. I wasn't. I don't think it was scheduled viewing for me, mm-hmm. but it was a show that I I absolutely remember watching Garfield and Friends. How about you? Oh yeah, I I definitely remember it. I'm pretty sure it was kind of part of the Saturday morning lineup mm-hmm. of stuff. So it is possible we watched new episodes. Um, you know, we you don't really pay attention to that sort of thing. You just we just kind of watched whatever was on when it was on. But this was definitely one I remember uh, watching. And one of the more memorable things for me is the theme song. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and friends. We're, we're ready, ready to, to party. We're ready to party. We're ready. Yeah. I hope you bring lots of spaghetti. Come on in, come to the place where fun never ends. Come on in, it's time to party with Garfield and Friends. Oh, dancing! Fiesta! Romancing! Fiesta! Samba! La Bamba! Ay, caramba! Disguises! Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and Friends. You know, I like that. I think that theme song, though it may not be amazing, I think it's cute and I think it works really well for the show. Yeah, it. Uh, I was just about to say, I think it, it works for what they're doing. I mean, because everything is kind of like in segments, so... Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one I, I find myself singing, but I, it doesn't bother me when I hear it. Yeah. I found out something that maybe makes it me realize I probably watched this in syndication more than anything because that theme song that we're both thinking of right now and I just played was actually the theme song that didn't start until season three. Oh. So there was another theme song that ran from seasons one and two. That first one was kind of like a song and dance style number about friendship. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and friends. Friends are there. To help you get started, to give you a push on your way. Friends are there. To turn you around, get your feet on the ground for a brand new day. They'll pick you up when you're down. Help you swallow your pride when something inside's got to break on through to the other side. Friends are someone you can open. And it's not very good. <laughs> I, I listened to it, and it's not very good. That second one that was used from seasons three through most of six um, was definitely the best. And actually, it was used for the entire syndication run. Okay. So they they took that one and replaced all of the uh, openers with the one that we that we know the most. Mm-hmm. But the most egregious one in 1994 on the last season, they had this other theme song. That was like this upbeat rap bass theme <laughs> with like a, a Seinfeld jazz uh, bass line in the background. He's fat and he's lazy. He sleeps and he's so crazy. He's funky and he's groovy. He's grumpy. He's moody. He's my main cat, Garfield. That's me. 
It's fucking awful. <laughs> I had to listen to it when I was kind of looking through some of like Wikipedia and, and other little things when I was doing my research and I was just had to listen to it. I was like, oh, dear God, this is atrocious. Uh, so, yeah, they they definitely tried the, okay, we're in our last season. Here's a last-ditch effort to try and uh, <laughs> see if we can connect to the new youth or something. It did not work. <laughs> Cartoon-wise, I watched uh, two episodes for this refresher. How about you? I actually didn't have to watch any. My son has been obsessed with this show for the last uh, year or so. Oh, wow, that's really cool. He, uh, we found it on, well, first of all, he discovered the comic books or the comic strips. Um, I had downloaded on Comixology several mm. of the Garfield like trades and omnibuses and stuff like that for him to read, and he flew through all of them. Um, oh. And then when he found, he found out about this show, he asked me if we could find it, and it was on like Tubi or Voodoo or one of those other yep. ones for a while. Yeah, it's on. Mm-hmm. And so he would watch it in my room because we only had Voodoo or whatever it was downloaded onto my Apple TV in my room. So he was watching it in my room all the time. So I ended up watching several episodes nice. with him and he loved it. Nice. It is uh, It is on Tubi. That's how I Tubi. watched it. Okay. So it's still it's it's free out there if you guys download Tubi if you can stand some ads um, which for a free thing absolutely I'll stand some ads yeah. and it's on there like they have four of the seasons and now if you want all seven seasons I think you have to go onto like Boomerang or or something else yeah but for four seasons yeah and then yeah it's um I watched a couple of those and I thought the only thing that was strange was like none of the animals mouths move when they talk. <laughs> Especially like Garf, like their mouths just don't move. I guess they're speaking to each other telepathically. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid, cute show. Still, yeah, it was fine. I I had no problems watching it when I did, and thought it was relatively funny. I I don't have any kids, um, but I'm really happy to hear that your son, uh, who watched it within this last like year or two or whatever, that he found value in it, and I think you know. If, if there was someone, you know, in that age range, probably from like five to 12 age range, I could put this on and be very content with it. I think, you know, I could I, I could sit in the background mm-hmm. and be like, hey, I'm I'm happy enough watching this with this person, with this kid. Yeah. So, yeah, solid little show. So good pick, Joseph. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Our big boy Caprice and his men Mumbles, Flattop, Itchy, and Influence have called a meeting with Pruneface to get him to join their mob. Pruneface agrees, and with weapons drawn, they swear to get Dick Tracy once and for all. Suddenly, sirens blare, searchlights fill the room, and the door bursts open. It's Dick Tracy and his right-hand man, Sam Ketchum. Big boy's gang is finished for now, but can Tracy keep him behind bars? Find out next time. Dick Tracy! From Playmates. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Dick Tracy using actors of today. Adam, you sounded like you were pretty excited to do this casting, and I have to say, I actually was too. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. I mean, I like the 
Private Eye, the the detective noir Mm -hmm. style. And you said you've gotten into the question, you know, so you definitely like that style too. And so I think, uh, I think we can definitely get us a really good film out of this. I think so too. And I kind of did gear mine towards a film as opposed to a series. Although because it's a comic strip, a series would also be just as much fun. Yeah. Yeah. My, my casting is definitely screams film. Right. Um, and not, not, uh, not movie or not show. Right. So. Uh, so we're there's. I mean, there's a ton of characters. Uh, Warren Beatty threw in as many characters as he could into the movie, mostly because actually he was figuring there probably wouldn't be a sequel. So, or in case there mm-hmm. wouldn't be a sequel, he wanted as many characters in as he could get. Uh, we're we have a list that uh, Joseph gave us that he wants us to cast, and what we got is Dick Tracy, Big Boy, Mumbles, Flat Top, Breathless Mahoney, Tess Trueheart, and unfortunately the kid. <laughs> fucking kid actors thanks joseph god damn it. That's, at least it was only one this time yeah so let's go ahead and start with the kid adam i want to hear your casting first well you know how much i love casting children <laughs> now this uh the, the guy who did it in the film actually was a did a pretty solid job i was definitely a recent films that i had seen played a role in my choosing of this casting and i wanted to go with McKenna Grace, because that is uh, actually the most recent film that I had seen. Mm-hmm. But I noticed as of today, she is like she's like 15 or 16 years old now. Yeah. In Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I think that movie was supposed to spoke, supposed to come out in 2019. Right. And it kept getting pushed back. And so she looked like she was like 11 in that movie right. Right. Um, because she probably was when they filmed <laughs> it. And so I was like, oh, wow, you're definitely too old now for the kid spot, I feel. Um, so I stayed in the same movie and I went with the next youngest kid. I went with the kid who plays podcast and I thought he was pretty damn cute in, in, uh, afterlife. I went with Logan Kim as my kid. Okay. Yeah. He was charming and entertaining. I liked him. Yeah. All right. I was fine with that. I actually also kind of did the same thing. I did actually look at McKenna Grace and realize, oh yeah, she's definitely older now. And I, I went through quite a few other ones. There was a couple of guys or a couple of kids. There were a couple of kids who are like, oh, you really have that sort of cute kid factor, but they were British. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to rely on you doing an American accent because this is definitely rooted in like kind of like you know American comic strip. Very much so. So I, I switched it up and I went with a kid I've gone with before and he still looks young enough, at least I think, to play this kind of thing. I went with Ian Armitage. Oh, uh, yeah. He does. He is uh, young. He's probably, what, like 13, 14 now. Yeah. But he is uh, one of the top little kid actors. And so I could I could see him doing that. That's good. Cool. All right. Let's move on to Tess Trueheart. I have to admit, I didn't really settle on an actress who I think really fit the role mm-hmm. as well as I could have done. I couldn't find someone with the specific sort of things I was looking for. And all the ones that all the people I did think of were too old. So um, I went with uh, an actress who is a good actress who I hadn't seen in a while until I, and I had no idea, realized that she was in Ghostbusters Afterlife. When we did our discussion, I went with Olivia (laughs) Wilde. (laughs) Yeah, I I was shocked uh, as well. I didn't notice that that was the um, body for, uh, uh, why can't I remember the character? The uh, the main bad. Gozer, thank you, yeah. Um, No, I think that's... uh, that's an interesting call. The only, the only thing I kind of thinking a little bit off on that. When I see Olivia Wilde, I I don't think um, she doesn't have like that very innocent good girl yeah. look to me. Yeah. That's the only thing. Now she's a good actress, and I'm sure she'd be just fine. 
But when I see her, I don't see good innocent girl. And Ch- Tess Trueheart is kind of like exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only that's the only pushback. That's but fine. she's a she's a really good actress. So that's fine. It, like I said, out, out of all of my castings, this is the one that I'm not sure worked the best. Okay. Fair. All right. And you? Um, mine. I I dove into okay. Who could be kind of you know that um, you're a good person that is going to be Dick Tracy's love interest. And so my head actually kind of went to the DC EU and who kind of played a similar role in the Superman movies and whatnot. I went with Amy Adams as my test true heart. Yeah, I think that's a better call. Okay, okay. She's she's definitely got like a more, you know, just just a sweeter look to her. Right. Uh, all right, well, let's go to the other side of that spectrum. <laughs> and yes. uh, Breathless Mahoney. And uh, let's hear who you went with. Sure. Uh, you need somebody who has sex appeal. I also wanted to make sure somebody who could sing. And she's definitely a good bit younger than my Dick Tracy, but that's not the worst thing in the world. This actress is over 30 as well, or is over 30, so that's that's fine. She is she's very attractive, and I think she could have that sultry look, and she can also sing. Uh, she comes from a singing family or from a musical family. I went with Zoe Kravitz as my Breathless Mahoney. Okay, that's a cool call. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. She's, I think she's, she's got like the, the definitely sultriness to her or like a, um, I don't know, sensual vibe. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Cool. I went with the obvious choice. I mean, who is our modern day Madonna? Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. I went with Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh, fair enough. You know, and she's been in more and more movies. She actually just has that Gucci movie coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? That's, I, I. That is a perfect one-to-one. I mean, that's, that's literally, anytime now, I'm like, if I have to recast Madonna, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put in Lady Gaga. <laughs> I'm almost disappointed in myself, but I know she'll do a great job. Yeah, she will. She's solid. Um, and I know she can sing that kind of jazzy stuff because she's been doing a lot of, she did this whole residency with uh, um, Tony Bennett. So I know she she can do all that kind of like jazzy style singing. Nice. So, flat top. I'm going to go first. Now, I also envisioned mine as being more adult. Okay. That being said, for some reason, looking at Flat Top in this movie, I immediately was like, oh, he looks like this actor. So I just chose this actor. I don't know if I want to go full makeup for this mm. or just try to give these actors like subtle char- character hints of them. But when I looked at Flat Top, I'm like, oh, he looks like John C. Riley. So I went with John C. Riley. Oh, okay. <laughs> John C. Riley is a hell of an actor, and a lot of people just kind of throw him into the comedic bubble because um, of his stuff with Will Ferrell. Right. But he has been in Gangs of New York. He is a really good actor, and so whatever. And, and if you did like comedic stuff with this Dick Tracy movie, he could do that, and he could do serious. He can do awesome. I I like that. That's a really cool call. I think I could just if I could just make his hair look like he has. The flat top? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's get, he's had some wild... If you ever saw Dewey Cox, he's had some <laughs> crazy hair in the Dewey Cox story, which I really like that film. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Who was your flat top? Um, I went with... Uh, I feel like there was a... There's a lot of different actors you could put in this role. Hmm. You know, I, I wasn't set on a single person, but I went with an actor who I've seen do a wide range of stuff as well. I think he is a really good character actor that we have today. Um, you and I saw him on uh, the Westworld show. Uh, he uh, played 
the younger version of the man in black. Oh. But I also love him. He is hilarious in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, he plays a reoccurring character that keeps popping up. So he has, I've seen him do fantastic um, comedy. I've seen him do some more serious stuff with that Westworld. He is a really, really good actor all over the place right now. I went with Jimmy Simpson. Okay. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. I've seen him do some kind of weird, crazy stuff in the Always Sunny, um, but I have also seen him do some serious roles. Right. So yeah, I, I I like him a lot. He um he had <laughs> I always think of him as he had a uh, he had a cameo in How I Met Your Mother, where he played this character uh, that was playing a game called Edward Forty Hands, where he had two forty ounce oh, yeah. duct taped to his hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize. I've seen. I've seen that episode. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't realize that was him for some reason. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is him. I'm. Okay. I'm positive that's him. Uh, nice. So yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm fine with that. That's cool. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. Mumbles. Let's see who you picked for Mumbles. Dustin Hoffman was a really high level actor. I feel for for this film. I mean, obviously, so is so is all the other ones. I mean, Al Pacino is a very cartoonish actor, so I think he fit really well as his big boy and Dustin Hoffman is not very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was kind of strange, but he did a great job, you know, acting in, well, you know what? I take that back. You know, he, he did some not cartoonish, but he, he was kind of interesting acting with Rain Man that kind of did kind of transfer well to mumbles. I went with an actor who is as versatile as it comes as well. And I think it's going to be hard to disagree with this one. I think he'd be great in this character. I went with Sam Rockwell. Oh Yeah. Uh, I oh, used yeah. him. I, I I could see him mumbling his way through the scenes, but you still re- he could he could act the shit out of that mumbling. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, oh god, God, I like that. I really like that call. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. I went in a different direction with my mumbles. Okay. Dustin Hoffman to me was kind of an unexpected casting. Mm-hmm. So I also kind of went. I was like, who is it, who is somebody who's kind of unexpected that you wouldn't expect to take this thing? Apparently, Hoffman took it as a favor. Took the role as a favor to to uh, to Beatty, Orn Beatty. Um, okay. so I'm I'm figuring someone might have to call in the same uh, the same favor. <laughs> You're probably gonna laugh. I went with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, I will say I considered DiCaprio for a different role. Okay, um, but interesting. I mean, uh, he could do it. Right. <laughs> he could do it great. <laughs> Because he's fucking Leo DeCast. Right. Um, yeah. I, yeah. So if someone called in a favor, I would love to see that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I mean, that's great. It's, it's a cool call. Uh, all right. Uh, big boy, who is our big bad. I kind of went with not necessarily an expected pick, but I, I, don't, I think when I say his name, you're going to be like, oh, well, this, you're kind of typecasting him because he's already played these types of roles really, really well as kind of these, uh-huh. this kind of gang leader. Um, and, and if I want something more adult, I need somebody who can be really menacing as big. I want Big Boy to scare us. Yeah. I went with Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically the same Luke Cage character almost, just a little more over the top. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was he was the best part of the Luke Cage show for the first half. And then, <laughs> for the first half of season one? Yes. Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, that's, that's a great call. Okay. Which, you just mentioning that led me to another actor who I might like better than both the one that I have written and even Mahershala Ali. Okay. But uh, Mahershala Ali would fucking throw it, knock it out the park. 
So um, I'll start off with the person who just came to my mind. Okay. Because you mentioned big and menacing crime boss from Netflix uh, MCU villain stuff. Oh. Vincent D'Onofrio could be a really good call. Oh, yeah. He could be a really good call as well. Yep. But I ended up going actually still an MCU villain, funny enough. He did a great, great job, in my opinion. I really liked his vulture in uh, Mm. Spider-Man Homecoming. I think it's really cool to see him as a villain role because we're so used to him as a hero. And I think he did an awesome job. And we also know he's not against makeup or wearing suits (laughs) because of Beetlejuice and then the Batman movies. I had Michael Keaton. I think he'd be a really cool big boy. I would be I would be just as happy with that. Okay. Yeah, I really I I think he could be really seeing him in a real menacing type role, I yeah. think would be really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, cuz he was intimidating as shit in Homecoming. Yeah. Um I thought and so yeah, I, I definitely I would like to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh all right, our title character Dick Tracy uh Adam start us off. So this was a, a role that I considered Leonardo DiCaprio in. Okay. I'd seen, you know, I'd seen him kind of do some of this detectivey stuff before, but I went with I feel like a casting that is right on the money and maybe is just too too easy of a pick, but I don't know, maybe not. Um, he had been in the second Sin City, so he's already done the noir style. Um, he is in the MCU. He's done. He's been in plenty of stuff. Uh, Marvel and DC films, whether it's that shitty Jonah Hex, whether he's playing <laughs> one of the best villains as Thanos, whether he's playing Cable, he's got the look, and I think he absolutely has the vibe for the Dick Tracy and like the adult style right. Dick Tracy. I want. I pick Josh Brolin. That's a that's a good call. I, okay. I can to- I can see him in the trench coat and the hat and everything. Yeah. I can totally yeah, see yeah. that. That works. Yep. Cool. I don't think that my pick is going to be a better pick. Maybe a sideways pick. Uh-huh. Just as equal, he's. I think he's just as good an, an actor, and I can kind of see him in the costume. And I kind of that was kind of important. I mean, that is that is sort mm-hmm. of part of the character is that the yellow trench coat and hat. Absolutely. Um, and I went with an actor who's done lots of really good things, and I'm really really interested to see him as Moon Knight. I went with Oscar Isaac. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, he's kind of yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I think he's got kind of that kind of rough and tumble look he could have for the you know definitely for a detective in the in the thirties or however you know however you want to play it, or you could do it as a modern day uh, Dick Tracy, yeah, modern you, noir, modern noir, some Ooh. sort of thing. Um, That's I just cool. thought he was a. I thought he was a. a he's he's going to factor to lead something like this. Uh, without question, without question, um, I think that is a pretty damn solid choice. I I like Oscar Isaac. Uh, I, I'd say about as equally as I like Josh Brolin. My Josh Brolin, I think, is maybe more of a perfect one to one from the comic strip. Mm-hmm. But as an acting ability and giving you the vibe, um, Oscar Isaac would do great. Cool. Well, uh, Joseph Garcia, thank you for uh, picking all of uh, these uh, this movie and TV show for us to review. And that was our recasting of Dick Tracy. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and Adam get together and talk their favorite 
power ballads. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Oh yeah, the Macho Man is here to tell you that the Beef Up Network is partnered with 80stees.com to give you the best deal on the sweetest shirts on the internet. I'm here to tell you right now, if you go to 80stees.com and use the promo code BEEFUP, that's B-F-O-P, then you can get 30% off your entire order. Oh yeah, that's the cream of the crop, baby. Nobody does it better. Yeah.